With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Happy Friday. Thank God it's Friday. It's not National Dog Day today, but I hear Russ's dogs in the background. I'm not sure if I hear Kevin's dogs as well, but uh, you know, it's it's Dog Day on the Hockey Buzzcast. Uh, Russ, go start, start us off with the pre-show. Well, as you see, I'm, I'm wearing a med hat. And, you know, on a day where there was going to be a lot of other sports, the inner workings of the Mets front office was the story because all of a sudden sports took a took a seat and they were front and center. And I'm not going to get into the whole thing, but, you know, they did have a, a, a presentation that they did before the game. It was nice. It was thoughtful. They, they had a moment of silence for 42 seconds. They did something that was really good. But initially, um, Brody Van Wagenen thought that this was coming from Rob Manfred. And he made fun of it, and somebody was recording him, and that got live. And then both Wilpons then pummeled their GM, basically saying, yeah, you should never have done this to the commissioner. This is terrible that you did it, blah, blah, blah. Brody did apologize at some point during that whole thing. But they're trying to sell the team. And this is just like the perfect time for all of this to happen is when you are literally a week, probably a week from selling the team. So again, just the dysfunction there is just at an all time high. And most most everybody will be out of there. Like the Wolfpons will have a small portion um, of the team, but they'll never be seen again. Brody Van Wagenen will get fired right at the end of this season. And probably a lot of front office people will get fired. But for yesterday, that was a little slice of what goes on in the Mets front office, probably quite a bit. I could go on chapter and verse, but Russ kind of knows my view on this. I mean, my favorite is the, okay, we got to make sure we keep this in-house as it's being recorded. Yeah. That's probably my favorite line. And then in the email that the Wilpon set out is the misspelling of Brody's name. Mm-hmm. So now it's B-R-O-D-Y as opposed to I-E. Yeah. So, and look, they basically threw him under the bus, right? I mean, yeah. there's no way that Jeff Wilpon came up with this. We all both know, we all know that Manfred is out of tune. I thought what they did on the field was actually very well done and between both teams, and if it had just ended there. But the problem is, as Russ and I both know, it never just ends there with the Mets. There's always that, yeah, but. And we had our yeah, but moment in terms of the video going viral yesterday. Oh, that was it. Typical Mets. Yeah. Yep. Same old Mets, which is I'm- a new podcast that just started by friends of mine. Same old Mets. That's same old Mets. I, and, and, and Kevin, that's on top of what we talked about yesterday, which, of course, in Buffalo is always entertaining, where the Buffalo Bills reporter for buffalobills.com got suspended by the Buffalo Bills because he gave out practice information in terms of lineups and uh, structures on a radio show that they basically sponsor. You know, it's like – you're, you know, you wow. I, the, right. It's it's gone to the part of controlling the message so much that I mean, I mean, it, it's it's impossible to report now. If you know, if if you're working for a team, you are locked in on what they want to pro- provide and what they don't want to provide. Yeah, it's 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 a nutty world out there, and you know, you really can never control the message because. No. Uh, social media, just somebody finds out and then everybody knows. So, 
Yeah. One person is every person now on social media. Well, <laughs> true. No, exactly. True. I've always it's said like for one years. Egg, one egg on Twitter. That's all it takes. Go ahead. For years I've said, you know, the thing that, um, you know, you can say one thing and the, the collective of Twitter can always prove you wrong because like there's, you know, that's like one opinion, but you know, there's 5,000 people who know different things following you. So, you know, they're always going to be more right than you because that's 5,000 voices versus you, you know, like, yeah. And yeah, you know, so that that's a, it's a it's really. Uh, yeah. you know, we're all let's, let's get into the show, but yeah. we're all, all walking right. around like we're sick to our stomachs these days. Anyway, um, here we go. Ready? <laughs> all right, let's do it. Um, Hello, Hockey World. It's Friday, August twenty eighth, two thousand and twenty. I'm Michael Agello. I'm Jan Levine. Russ Cohen from Sportsology. Kevin Allen. And I'm Eklund. You're watching Hockey Buzzcast on HockeyBuzz.com. It's the podcast that comes every Monday through Friday to fill you in the comings and goings in the hockey world. And we will be doing that again starting on Monday fully because we're going to get away from the politics and all the craziness that's going on right now for sure. Um, and I, I want to address this for a second because like, we got all kinds of stuff, people, people, all kinds of letters coming in from different people. My site, um, I've gone, and Michael, Mike knows this, um, out of my way to not be a political site, like more like beyond anything I could possibly, like I, we have a rule that you're not allowed to mention Donald Trump and things like that. Um, and it's, and people, some people, some writers do it and we edit them out and those, some of those writers are going to get fired and there's all different courts, sorts of things are happening here. But, you know, the situation that's been going on in the last two days or so is a hockey story. Okay. The reality is this is a hockey story. That's 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 worked, and the, the worlds have collided, right? So, for you guys to understand um, why we're covering it on Hockey Buzz, it's because it's a hockey story. You got to cover it. Um, you know. Now, that being said, I want to address something before we address and I hear Kevin's opinions on what happened here, which I definitely want to hear. Um, I want to address one thing, and that is the concept of people saying they're going to quit hockey because of this. Like, and I just, this, this is something that I really, I think is like, first of all, we all answer in the world to our families. We all answer to our own personal, you know, friends, gods, whatever you want to say, to decide what we believe is right, what we believe is wrong, what we believe is wrong. And that, that's just the, that's the way life works beyond. So that's how things go. Um, and, and that's how they've always gone. But the reality here that really is, is, is that we don't, you don't answer for other people's thoughts on this. Okay. No one answered. No one can tell anybody else how to feel or how to think or what, what they should, what they should want to do or how they would handle it or how they are going to cope with a different situation. There is no way, way you can tell somebody what their feeling is wrong or what they're thinking is wrong or this. That's just, there's no, that's not how life works. Okay. That, that to me is, is a, is a big wall that goes up. You cannot sit there and say that. So, to sit there and say you're going to quit hockey, which is obviously something you love, if you're even taking the time to mention that you're quitting it, it's something that you love. I don't get it. Like I don't get how these players. Okay, this is obviously a player-driven thing. This is very, in a way, you know, very organic in a lot. It, it really, it it has been rather organic. Um, you know, maybe it shouldn't have been. Maybe the NHL should have told the players what to feel, but they didn't. And the players came out and they then they, they made their own mind up organically. And then took two days organically to talk about it, to get them to educate themselves in a situation that you have to understand those players don't want to be in that bubble one second longer than they have to be. Every player I've talked to who's been eliminated, every person I've talked to who's been eliminated say that at first it sucks that you're eliminated from the playoffs. 
And then the second later, you're like, thank God I'm, I'm eliminated from the playoffs. I'm going to go see my family. Like they, they have, they, they all, it's, they all want to win, but it's, but this is not, so to take two days where they're not playing hockey to stretch this out for two days longer, because remember at the end, somebody is going to win a Stanley cup and somebody's going to lose the Stanley cup. And that team that loses the Stanley cup is going to have, to have done all of this bubble time and all this craziness for nothing. Someone's and every team in this tournament loses their final game, except for one team. Um, this is, this is, this is a big thing, you know? So I just don't understand that. If anyone can explain to me why you would quit, like we have, we had a writer who's, who's not writing anymore because of this, why you would do that. Um, I, I don't get it now you can and again, maybe I'm, maybe I'm being hypocritical because I'm judging them on on that, but I just, I think you're hurting yourself and I don't, as a friend to friend, I don't get why you would do that. Anybody, anybody have any thoughts? Nope. Yeah, no. Yeah. I don't, I don't understand it either, but you know, it is, that's their right. That's their form of protest. They're it's pro- their right. I agree. Their, um, their protest. So, yeah, I, I, you know, I, you know, the, the only the only thing I can think, Eck, is that the you know, sports is a refuge from the ugliness of the world for, for a lot yeah. of people. There are people who like people, older people that I know that you know depend on listening to Yankees games or listening to the Blue Jays games if you're in Toronto as somebody to as something to fall back on as something to occupy your day and when the politics and the ugliness of what's going on right now is brought in it's like an invasion of what you don't want to deal with or what you don't want to recognize or realize now for those people i get it they just want to watch the games listen to the games and escape everything that's going on but in the current construct of everything these players, they have they're, they're they're citizens. They have the right to express themselves. They have the yeah. right to express their their problems with society. Um, I don't know, and I, this is what I said yesterday. I don't know whether it's going to have any impact other than attracting attention to it. But they have that right. But people don't want to deal with this or don't want to have it thrust upon them, and that's why maybe they're reacting and saying, "I'm done." I can add one thing, and I think. This is something I don't think hockey fans may be aware of because I don't think they think about it. But I was on the Western call yesterday, so Pete DeBoer said, look, we've been having conversations going on since we entered the bubble. Now, again, if you're a fan, you're just thinking, hey, my team's in the bubble. That's great. Now they're playing hockey. That's great. I get to watch hockey. (laughs) But all these guys are human. And, you know, like even DeBoer said, hey, Vander Kane's been talking about this in the locker room for years. Like, yeah. you don't get to hear these locker room conversations, and these guys don't generally talk about it, but they did yesterday. And I think yeah. that's where the fan has to sort of stop himself and say, okay, you know what? If this were going on at my job and all of a sudden it affected the way I worked, I would be talking about it too. If You know, you don't get a platform like necessarily to talk about it on social media unless you want to go on Facebook Live or something. But at the end of the day, I think that is an important thing is this didn't just start – Yesterday, it didn't. Right, right. And it's it, and and these guys are these guys are humans, and I think what they're doing is is it, we have to we we should allow them that. I I think we owe a lot to these players for being in the bubble. I honestly feel like it's a big deal that they did this. I I don't think they they didn't have to do it. Um, yeah, you can sit there and argue they had to do it for money purposes, and I get all that stuff. But you know, 
it's and and yeah, they're getting paid a ton of money. And you hear guys like Sean Couturier saying, you know, so what? You know, this is not a, this is not a hardship or anything that we're getting paid a ton of money, and we should be doing this kind of thing. We ha- you know helping society through those who understand that. But I don't know. I'm thankful, and I have no issue with them doing this for a couple of days like this. And uh, I mean, if they were canceling the rest of the playoffs or something like that, I could see people being a little ticked off about that. But she's right. taking some time for a, just taking some time to reflect and realize that there's something oh. bigger than this, bigger than the sport. Um, and it does make a statement, I, I, and, and you know, regardless of whether or not you agree with that statement or not, they're allowed to make a statement. Right, right. Eck, here's a good example. So Ryan Reeves said at the beginning he thought before everything happened and before the Vancouver guys and Shaq and Kirk texted him, he's like, am I going to walk out on my team and be the only guy? And that right. is a big burden for a yeah. guy to carry because he's black. Right. That's a huge burden because you're taught to be a teammate. You're taught not to abandon anything, and he's having those thoughts. And so that's where I don't think any of us understand what sometimes those players are going through. And that's where I think you have to look at it and say, okay, you know what? He did put it in very plain terms where I – Sorry. Well, I I was just going to say that – you know, this morning I had started a, a column that I was uh, g- going to put on uh, Hockey Buzz. I'm still going to put it on there. And um, I was trying to do a second-day story about this and kind of reflect on it. And one of the things that I've heard continuously, particularly from my friends, is, you know, why are they doing this? Like, what is the impact going to be on it? Yeah. And, you know, basically what I said to them is just the fact that you brought this up to me, um, <laughs> they achieved exactly Right. Um, what the impact is, and that is, is that you create conversation, and right. they have every right. Um, and 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 the word that Act used was just perfect. Like this was organic. This was the the Milwaukee yeah. Bucks players yeah. in their own dressing room bringing this up, and then it just grew. And I, you know, to be honest, I I was as a lot of writers were, um, you know, critical of um, the fact they didn't do it on the first day, although. You know, I have a lot of trust for Zidane Chara, and he basically said that there just wasn't enough time, that before they yeah. knew about it, they were already preparing for the game. And I think he said that sincerely. I don't think he yeah. was making an excuse. I think that's yeah. what he believed. Yeah. That, you know, the NHL, if you look at their history, their players, you know, they don't, if you look at collective bargaining, they don't do things spontaneously. They have right. No. They together and they and they do this and you know they have a bubble just like the NBA does so they've got a lot of players there they can bring together. Yeah. I think if this would have happened at one o'clock in the afternoon, right, the NHL would not have played games. And right. I, I believe the league was more than willing to do whatever the players wanted to do. Um, because and this was another valid point, you know, this is not canceling the playoffs. This is just oh, yeah. delaying it. It, you know, you know, in, in baseball, you could have had two days of torrential downpours all over and you yeah. know, have the same impact in terms of the schedule. I mean, that's just possible. And we don't have that in hockey, but this is, you know, going to stretch it out two more days. It's, you know, not the end of the world, but it has brought about, first of all, because everybody did it, you know, it, t- it took two days for the NHL to get there. But, you know, now all of the professional athletes, you know, have had their say saying, hey, look, we want everybody to talk about it. Like Kelly Rudy was just right on the. He was freaking uh, dead on. I agree. Yeah, right. He just said, look, I don't think we should play so that we can all have conversations. And that's what's mm-hmm. happening. So kids who are yeah. 
you know, sports fans now are saying to their parents, well, why aren't they playing? Yeah, and, exactly. And now, and now you've got to talk about it. And no matter what, where you're at in this uh, issue, um, I don't, I, I think you got to believe that it's worth talking about. If this many people are upset, you know, it, it it's something that, uh, that we should talk about. Um, and, and, and conversely, Anson Carter on NBC during, you know, I think it was during the Edmonton, or sorry, excuse me, during the Dallas-Colorado uh, game or before it, said, yeah, he didn't have a problem with, with them playing. So it's like, I mean, the discussion is the import, is the important thing. And like I said, if the, if the move by the players was to attract attention to a situation, they have done that. The NBA players have done that. Major League Baseball has done that. I mean, I don't know how much more attention it was going to attract because I mean, it was it was a prominent story all over the place. But if that if that was what they wanted to do, I, they they have done it effectively, and and they've had the, you know the reaction that they that they well, wanted. now now you know if they if they're expecting change to come from this, I don't know if that's going to happen. But okay, the conversation is a good thing. No, that's true, but. But they are going to go beyond this. And Pierre Edward Bellomar said it really yeah. well because yeah. they're not just doing this to do it for two days and forget about it. He right. said, look, we were all here. We wanted to stop. We want to make sure that it never happens again after the bubble and in our communities. And so, like, and other, you know, other players spoke. And, look, there's a feeling that, hey, they realize not every player is going to go in their community and do this. But if they get 10% of the league – who start doing this and using some of their own funds to raise awareness, to go into communities that will have an effect and that Definitely. will have a local effect. And that's no what question. they're really doing now. No question. I mean, I, mean, I couldn't agree. And change doesn't come like, you know, we can't expect change no. to come from one, from one thing or two things or 10 no. things or a hundred things. Change doesn't come from, you know, in it, what, what happens is like, you know, it, it's, it's a collective consciousness you know like i talked about yesterday like the difference between the race riots of the late of the late 60s when everybody who was white just watched on the sideline being horrified at what was going on and now people you know are getting involved and getting in there with these people and help you know with people and, and, and marching with them that's a huge change it can't be you know any you know it just you can't you can't understate that we're gonna move on to hockey guys but i just i just i wanted to just like Mm-hmm. Get this out, and then just you know, take t- one of our guys in our chat room, Thomas. Remember Thomas in our chat room? Oh yeah. He like he goes on Twitter yesterday and says, "I'm I'm done with hockey. I'm quitting hockey completely." Stuff like that, and, I, and he's in our chat room every day. And, and this is a guy who I know has passion for this stuff. It just bothers the hell out of me well, that, you I mean, hurt, I, that you would hurt yourself over something he's re- that he, someone else feels. He's you know? reacting emotionally, and maybe he yeah. can't react. But that you know, that's what I think you know. You You're just, allowed to. You're allowed to, but I just, I just, you know, just like, yeah. obviously, you know, your readers and like that, you, you consider them part of your extended sure. family, you know, and I don't want to see people hurting themselves over something that, you know, just because someone maybe disagrees with them or shares it or has a different, or, or wants to, or wants to like, at least acknowledge well, that they I'm want to think about it. I mean, in the chat room, so that's good. Yeah, people have found another way to say they're frustrated and the expression, yeah. uh, what a joke, uh, right. and I'm done. Right. It's just another way of saying I'm so frustrated. Yeah, it's just you know, most people who uh, utter them, uh, those phrases don't actually mean that. Um, yeah, they're, yeah, yeah. they're angry at what they just heard, and they, you know, they're boiling over. And when they have time to reflect upon it, they may not agree with what was done, but yeah, they're they're not going to give up. I, I do want to mention one thing because in the chat room they said, "Is there a better way PR wise for the NHL to do this?" And and I think I said it yesterday, but I'll say it again. 
the NCAA has set up like a panel now for hockey to deal with these situations and do it and talk about it and have outreach. And you know what? I think the NHL needs to do the same thing because you can't have the same guys who are in charge of league, who are in charge of this, who are in charge of that, be in charge of this too. And so I made it with the diversity program and the money they're going to put in with that. That's going to happen. So that's, that's what you have to right. work let, let, right. me, let me start down the road of hockey here because I, I wanted to ask Kevin about this. Thanks for giving us that time to talk about that, guys. We are now on the hockey. We won't be political here. We're not going to be political. That's not, but we, you know, we're not going that's not what we do. Okay. Um, Kev, we've talked about the Arizona situation, waiting for a decision to be made by the league. Finally, the decision comes down. Um, now, unless something has come out since, there was no monetary fine here, even though the NHL rule stipulated that if there was something going on in terms of uh, testing outside of the combine, that a team, I believe it was $250,000 per instance. But they, they waived that, but they did penalize the Coyotes a 2021 first and a 2020 second round pick for their violations. Um Again, I don't know whether this, you know, that penalty was decreased because John Chaika is no longer in the organization. But I, and I, I'm asking, I'm asking you whether you yeah. think that is part. Well, of it. I don't think it was, um, and I thought that's a pretty significant penalty yeah. and far more severe than if they had fined him a million dollars. Oh um, yeah, yeah, because uh, you know, money is just money, um, you know, to owners who have plenty of it. Um, right. So, like this, this hurts, you know, a million dollars. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, when Arizona loses a lot of money every year, so I'm sure it does. A million dollar fine would have hurt them, but not like losing a first and a second, um, and particularly given that they they don't have a first this year because right for for the yeah. Taylor Hall, right, yeah. right. right. If they if they sign Taylor Hall, they won't have a pick until the fourth round in the next two drafts. Yeah, no, and and uh, so that was a severe. Penalty, and I think it right. sends a message. And uh, I read Bettman's. You know, if you really want to have an understanding of uh, of who Bettman is, you know, read his his briefs that he writes when he makes rulings. Because I, you know, I think we all forget that he's a lawyer. Oh yeah, yeah. Tell tell you don't forget that when you read those things, you don't. Then you read those things and you go, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, you're just a reminder that prior yeah. to getting into sports. Uh, you know, I'm sure he was a pretty heavyweight uh, uh, lawyer and all that. Yeah, yeah. I, I'll tell you how I look at it, too, Kev. When, when I heard the picks, you know, my first thought is, well, Arizona's not picking this year. Luke Hughes is going to be a top pick next year. That's Quinn and, and Jack's brother. Now they don't get a shot at him unless they make a trade to get yeah. him. No, that's, that's a great point. Yeah. And that's, like, that's what you're missing out on. Like, that's bad. Yeah, and for, for a team that, you know, has no scoring. Right. Yeah. You know, so, right. um, you know, and you don't find scoring, you can't get it in the trade market unless you're just trying to get, uh, you know, uh, guys to kind yeah. of. Fit in. Exactly. Yeah. Now, uh, before we get into the, the series, I wanted to ask you about this, Kev, because uh, Jim Rutherford is always one of the more entertaining general managers in this league because he likes to make trades, which I'm sure makes him act one of X favorites and one of my favorites. Yeah. Thank God for him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> sometimes we, sometimes he's all we've got, you know. Yeah, he and he made a preemptive move this week because usually the uh, teams are not trading during the playoffs, but he makes the deal with the Leafs uh trading for Casper Kapanen and the Leafs get a first round pick and Evan Rodriguez and a prospect. I I look at this deal 
I mean, I understand the point of view of the Penguins. They're a now team. They're looking for now players. They got a window of maybe two or three years with the core group that they have. I think maybe it's maybe one or two because you got to remember Crosby and Malkin are in their early 30s. Who knows how long they're going to be at the top of their game. But he's got to strike while the iron is hot now. Whereas I think the Leafs made a fantastic deal getting a first-round pick and a prospect back. What did you think of that deal? Well, I thought it was good from the Maple Leafs' perspective because, you know, they're forced into making trades. So anytime you can, uh, you know, everybody knows you got to make these deals. Uh, so anytime you get uh, fair value, it works out. I, the, what I took from it, and it would be interesting to get Russ's uh, theory on this, I think they think they're going to get a first-round pick out of uh, Murray. And I, I'm not so sure they are. I know. I'm not sure they are either. I think that you're right about that. I, I, I think that, um, you know, the, there's so many goalies that are going to be available, and there's not that many teams looking for a goalie. And I think yeah. while uh, Murray is intriguing to some teams, and he, like he should be intriguing to, like, the Red Wings or – um, you know, some, some of the the teams, you know, I don't know, maybe, maybe. Uh, I, I think it's intriguing to Toronto, uh, Kev. And the, the question was, after the deal was made on Tuesday, whether it makes sense that, that why wouldn't Murray have been included in this in this deal if, if the Leafs were truly interested? Well, they've got Freddie Anderson, so they would probably have to find a home for Freddie Anderson before they before make they do, they do that. So, yeah. so yeah. I, I, I think they're uh, – you know they think they're going to do that, and I, I to me, it's not like a Murray deal would be like a two seconds or a second, a third, or a prospect in a second. Yeah, unless unless Kev, I my feeling is because I don't think the market's good right now. You could roll the dice and wait until the trading deadline because if someone does have a goalie go down, that's a contending team. That's your yeah. chance of getting a first, but you're probably not getting it over the summer. Well, yeah. Well, the problem is they, they got to sign them though. That's yeah, you know. know. So, yeah. so what's the number? So I don't know if they can wait on it. Um, yeah. But um, you know they'll, you know they'll 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 move these guys and uh, you know or move one of them. And I you know they they need the cap space now. I think Rutherford's got. You know, bigger plans. I, I, yeah, I was on a second and a roster player of some sort because they're only going to trade them unless they get a roster player. I'm sure of that. Who, who's that? Pittsburgh. They need a roster player. Well, they do, but I think they have to trade them. I don't. Yeah. I, I think they're going to have to take their best off or whatever it is. One, yeah, of, they got to trade one of them. Yeah. And if you and if you look at you know they're both arbitration eligible RFAs, yeah. I believe, and that and that's the situation. I mean. Jari is coming off one good year, and he's a good goaltender, but he's only he only has one year on his on his resume. Whereas Murray's got two Stanley Cups. Murray goes to goes to arbitration. He's getting five five and a half million dollars on a one maybe on a one year deal, and yeah. maybe, maybe on a two year deal. And if it's a two year deal, he's a UFA at the end of the two years. So, and they have to, they would have to protect. Which I mean, is why and you I, probably need to trade him before. He gets to that to the RFA arbitration hearing if you're going to want to try to get maximum value for him. But and we also said Pittsburgh's going to have to sign another goalie, right? Because if they sign Jerry to a long-term deal, they're going to have to protect him as part of the expansion, which means we need another goalie to sign him. But the problem right. is, is are you going to be able to finish all this before the musical chairs of goalies? Right? We've we've gone through Holpe, Crawford, Leonard. I mean, there's a lot of goalies that are out there this year, including. You know, the Rangers may do something with, with Gorgiev also. So there's a lot of goalies and a lot of teams that need goalies right now. I, I think that's I think a great the Rangers, point. To answer that, I think the Rangers will wait to what Lundqvist is doing. I, I, I agree with you. No, no Lundqvist leaves, they, because, they're not moving. Because Shishkin doesn't have to be protected also, right, which, right. which allows them to move. And 
what Georgiev gets is $3 million. So he's looking at a $2 million raise anyway. Right. Well, what's interesting is if Lundqvist decides to stay and play this year, but I'm hearing that the the scenario originally floated by Larry Brooks of him going back and playing one year with his brother and then trying to come back at 40 and play Mm -hmm. in the NHL, you know, might be the way he goes. Shock me. Yeah. No. Again, right. He's only he's only it's four and a half million dollars he's due this year, right? The salary is eight and a half. Right. It was five and a half million in terms of how they how they bat, front loaded the contract. He's already gotten his million dollar signing bonus. If he gets two million in Sweden and and some advertising or some other money, the net difference may be not substan- may be minimal enough that it makes even more sense for him to go over there rather than trying to stay here and play. That's a lot more money than they normally pay players. But it's, it's also look at the name, right? No, I, mean, I, I yeah, no, I, I get it. Yeah, it's, it's like what Pavel Datsuk got to go over to Russia. But what he got to go over to Russia was not what normal Russian players get to go over to Russia. But he's Pavel Datsuk, so you know, I think he got like I don't know, that was ten million or something like that. Yeah. But he got a pretty good payday. Um, all right. Let's switch to the, the the four series, and I'm going to put float this as as my as my theory. This two day break couldn't have been better timed for teams that were potentially in trouble. We'll start with Boston Tampa. The two day break may have been the best thing for the Boston Bruins because they got destroyed in Game Three. They pulled Halak after playing second of back to back and and threw Daniel Vladar to the Wolves. Um, you know and, and I mean, Tampa is taking over the series. Not to say that Tampa is not going to win. I know, I know everybody on this panel except me picked Tampa to win the series, but I think it will help Boston in terms of maybe breaking the momentum of Tampa Bay with this two-day break. Kevin, what do you think of that? Yeah, no, I that makes some sense uh, for sure. And um, really, the, the the big impact that I see is is with the goalies. Uh, yeah. You know, you give you give them more rest. Um, those are the guys that seem to talk about uh, rest more than than other people and you know the oh, coaches <laughs> yeah no and, and and coaches plan around making sure they're well rested so you yeah. know that that makes some sense but um yeah i could i see some negatives too like um you know i'm sure colorado who yes. playing with the seat of doubt in dallas yeah. would, would love to have played immediately uh, <laughs> yeah you know, so uh, <laughs> no question yeah. about it yeah yeah because uh you know and that 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 the whole series, by the way, um, oh. has been so hard to. Uh, oh, it's impossible to predict, but it's so much fun to watch. I mean, it's just like oh, yeah. it's just. I mean, this and the funny thing is this: like, I mean, I can't. My wife pointed this out. I think that we can all kind of we can all probably appreciate this. So, I mean, I'm a, I've been a writer now for many years, obviously, and you know, impartial, and I've learned to like every team. I grew up a fan of one team, right? So, when your one team is in the playoffs. Um, that you grew up with, it's hard to like get around, get beyond the fact that yeah, you know, I want them to win because they're the team that I grew up with, and my family's all, my mom's, hey, they scored. Everybody's texting you. Everybody's there's all the stuff you know. Being, like yeah, you know, I, of course, you know, and it's funny how like you know, I actually enjoy games that my team that I grew up with isn't aren't participating in way more than I enjoy the games that they are. Like <laughs> I've decided that I don't like watching Flyers playoff games because I get inundated. With, and then, you know, I've got to be put into a fan position. I don't know if anybody else feels that at all. But. No, no, no. I, I, I get that. I mean, as somebody who followed the Leafs since yeah, I was it's just like, you know. old, it's, it's torturous to watch that. And especially when you know what's going to happen because, right. you, yeah, you, yeah. You, 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 you know, you've covered the team. 
it's the comment I've always made, right? There's nothing better than overtime hockey unless your team is unless one you're one of the two teams, yeah, like because that's five overtimes was great unless you're in Columbus the entire overtime. In this, yeah, in, this, yeah. in this instance, Kevin, knowledge is not power. Knowledge knowledge is a killer because yeah. when you when you see the flaws in this team and you know that they're going to lose, and which I which I did with them against Columbus, I you know it's like I, I it took the enjoyment out of it. But as a as a fan. I don't mind staying up to one o'clock in the morning to watch Dallas and Colorado right. beat the crap out of each other because it's, it's high speed, big players playing entertaining hockey. Yeah. Well, I mean, as a national writer for so many years, you know, I loved uh, overtime when I was sitting watching on television, but when you're a writer and you know, yes. you, you know, and it goes into third overtime and you got to write your lead in two minutes and 15 seconds and, you know, yeah. it, you know, it's the, yeah. all of it just becomes so complicated that you know it's it's more like work than enjoying the overtime. But when I'm sitting on my couch, the longer the better. Yeah, yeah. yeah when you sit there, yeah. and, I, and it's the same thing. Like you know, and Kevin, now this is the first year that you don't can sit there and watch, like because you've always traveled a ton through the playoffs. Yeah. The first year you get a chance to sit there and watch, and like you want all these games to go six or seven now. Like I yeah. know before, you're always like that. That's the worst thing that no, could possibly I, happen. Absolutely. And I've, uh, I, you know, I just love, I've been telling people this and a lot of my friends know that, you know, my running joke for years, and I've told Gary Bettman this too, that if I had my way, the one change in hockey, all games would be Tuesday and Thursday at 1030 in the morning. <laughs> and, uh, you know what? We almost got that now. You know, we got that. We had those noon games. But I, Kevin, what if hockey came on the same time as Jeopardy? Would that cause a problem for you no, now? No, it would not. Uh, okay. I mean, I certainly. You're not there yet? I'm not Jeffrey's on reruns now anyway, so. Yeah, so I, uh, yeah, I, the, you know, and I don't know who said it, but, you know, it's a lot, a lot like the Olympics. Like, I love the Olympics when you go and sometimes yeah. the games are noon and, you know, all oh, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, this has been such, not not only has the schedule been great, but the hockey has been yes. uh, so entertaining. And we've had oh, things that are hard to explain. You know, we, we've all watched all season long. Um, and I've said this before, but it, it was like a joke. How many stars did it take to score a goal? And it was really like five. I mean, they, they just, they, you know, there'd have to be, uh, you know, guys working in harmony. And it was so hard for them to score a goal. Now, all of a sudden, they're scoring three and a half goals a game. Yeah. And out and, of nowhere. And, and as, as somebody who's watching these games on television like, like, like normal fans do, I have to say, Sportsnet and NBC have done an absolutely fantastic job. Yeah, I can't yeah. tell that Doc Emmerich is sitting in his basement in in oh, in Michigan, sure. Michigan and yeah. Eddie Olchek is is doing it in his in his spare room in in Chicago, and only Brian Boucher is at the game. You, it's seamless. I mean, there's a, a delay of a second or something yeah. here or there, but it is fantastic. And no, it's we do have breaking news from from George Rich, who is a known. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll mention it here. Um, yeah. George Richards, who uh, I think yeah. used to work for the Athletic, now is, has his own website. I don't think the Florida Sunset on one of those. Yeah, uh, the NHL is investigating former Florida Panthers GM Dale Talon for ale- allegedly using racially charged language while in the Toronto bubble. Um, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll scan the the the, the article, we'll but keep an eye out for that. Yeah, that's a little shocking, but. So it's well, why was Talon in the bubble anyway? Well, when Florida was in the play around in the qualifying yeah. round. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. I was thinking. Yeah. So to me, in terms of the in terms of the schedule, the one team that kind of gets the screws put to him or the two teams is Vegas, Vancouver, because they could end up potentially with a pair of back to back games 
and five games in seven nights. So they're the <laughs> right. ones that kind of suffer the most. And that's probably been the most those high-end talent series so far in terms of up and down. Yeah, it's been Colorado has been the same. But you look at Vegas, Vancouver, that, that, that's been a ton of physical contact and a lot of offense generated in both games. Well, we've got the youth, so probably won't bother them as much. I mean, I, I think that what we saw out of Elias Pedersen last game was just, yeah. just like, brilliant. I mean, that stuff, I mean, we've always known, like, he, he to me, and I've said this before, and it's a horrible comparison because everyone hates when you mention it, but he's got some Gretzky-esque things to him. Now, he's not Gretzky, but he's got, like, the way he plays, the um, the manner he skates, the, the way he passes, the kind of plays he makes. Um, you know, he's not Gretzky, but he's got that thing to him. And that goal he scored um, was very Gretzky-like. Well, I mean, that uh, incredibly I'll, Gretzky-like. I'll, I'll, buy the, I'll buy the comparison, but Kevin, the, the difference here is Gretzky had Semenko. He had somebody who would beat the crap out of you if you touched him. Uh, yeah. Bill, Bill McCreary, not the referee, but there was a, a Leaf player named Bill McCreary who hit Gretzky center ice, knocked him down. This I think it was like 1979 or 1980. That guy never played in the NHL again. Not because you know it, it was basically do not touch Gretzky. He's the meal ticket in this league. And but he had players that protected him in this league. You can't protect Elias Pettersson. He's getting hit every night, and unless they go out and get Ryan Reeves or something like that, and even then, I don't think they'll be able to protect him. He's going to take physical punishment. He's going to have to get bigger and stronger to be able to withstand all this. But he's great. He's fantastic. Yeah, he is, and I I don't think the abuse they take is at the same level it was in no. you know the the eighties. Yeah. Um, I mean. That doesn't, you know, make it any easier on Pedersen. But, you know, what's funny about Pedersen is, uh, and I just wrote a story on uh, uh, for a, a betting site about the, the Conn Smythe odds. And, you know, obviously, you know, historically, uh, the chances of winning if you're on a losing team, um, you know, aren't that great. It's only been five on a losing team in the finals. Right, right. But, you know, and, you know, no one is expecting the Canucks to reach the final. But what if they do? Yeah. Well, if they do, Pedersen goes from being, boy, he's been fun to watch. To <laughs> what about him at the top of the list? Oh, yeah, with all the points he has and with yeah. the spectacular nature. And the other thing that was so interesting was in that last game is it, it, it was it's quite a contrast on what you took from that game. Like, if you look at the statistics, Vegas still dominated. Um, you know they, you know they had all the shots and all the advanced stats. I looked at them, and they all just favored the Golden Knights. But their goalie was great, number one, and they blocked forty shots. Forty you know, shots. You, yeah, if you're going to block forty <laughs> shots, you're, you're going to win the game. That was um, a record set for like shots attempted in a game, right, by the Vegas Golden Knights. Yeah, yeah. So, so you know, you look at that and you say, well. There's no way they're going to be able to sustain that. You can't do that in four games. I mean, Marshall would have to be. Yeah. Well, yeah, but within that, you know, they had those two unbelievably beautiful goals. You yeah. know, you, you know, like there was a lot of skill involved in that. Well, and isn't yeah. that the way we used to celebrate how you won playoff games? Yeah. By blocking yeah. those forty shots and by yeah. you know getting that great goaltending and and all that kind of stuff. So I. I'm so bullish on Vancouver that I'm looking for reasons to to believe they can turn this into a series. Even though I I took the Golden Knights to win it, win it all. Yeah. So I, I'm I'm all messed up. I don't even know what. No, I, I hear you. Now, when I talked to you before, and I was getting your picks on this on this next round, when I talked about the Flyers Islanders series, yeah. you mentioned um, that you wanted. 
to pick the Islanders. Yeah, I did. But you were going to pick the Flyers. No um, courage. I had no courage. <laughs> um, I, I wanted to take the Islanders because I really thought they were, you know, playing the way that Trotz uh, needs them to play for them to be successful. But I, I you know, I think this series is going to go long. And yeah, yeah. I think we all thought that, and it's showing why it does. Yeah. You know, you know what we forget sometimes, Kev? I think what we forget sometimes is, and especially now since the whole season's been thrown in a blender, is that we react so much just to one game that we forget that it's like, yeah, there's a lot of games left. Yeah, no, that's 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 exactly right. Um, but you know, every series, and the other thing that's so different to, for me this time around is because you know I'm not there and everything is is that you know I'm I'm pretty consistent in my my opinions, but now that I'm watching the series, I, I change every other game, you know, like, <laughs> you know, like I said, I, I, you know, I picked Vegas to win it all, but I'm trying to convince myself that, yeah. you know, the Vancouver is a team, not for 2021, but for 19 and, uh, well, and 20. Yeah. Well, I, I, I know, I know, I know Russ predicted Colorado to, uh, to, to go to the Stanley cup final. And I didn't think that, that, that selection was outlandish, uh, outlandish because of the, the offensive talent that they have. But now I would be surprised if they come back to beat Dallas simply because they're, they're without Grubauer, they're without Eric Johnson. They may be without Zadorov. They're without one of their key veteran forwards and Matt Calvert, all their offense, Kevin is coming from that, that three other than Nazem Kadri, all that offense is coming from Landeskog, Rantanen, and McKinnon when they put them all together. And not to say that Dallas can stop them, but Dallas is beating them with four lines. And eventually, you would think that that top line is going to wear out. Well, and I, don't you think Game Four is going to be played differently? Yes, like oh, Dallas yeah. has been playing uncharacteristically. Uh, I don't want to call it run and gun, but you know they're they're trying to trade chances with Dallas. Yeah, and I think after that last game, somebody's going to stand up in the room and say, "Excuse me, but you know we we don't score this many goals, and we can't right. keep trying to beat them. <laughs> you know, six five and five four. We're going to have to play differently. Yeah. So, but I, I'll tell you why. Uh, you know, and I, I and I I recognize those are all key injuries, but I mean, if you're if you're looking at the Dallas lineup in the and the the stars lineup uh, or uh, and the avalanche lineup, you know, you, you still believe that Colorado could win Game Four, and then we're sure. with the toss up. Well, yeah. Zadorov is hurt now too, so now I would expect yeah. to see Byron or Timmons, and and I I still think that could be a game changer because both these kids are really talented. They did yeah. it too far a year ago. They're going to have to try it now. Well, well the, other, the other thing is too is and this is what I love about the playoffs, like. I mean, I think everyone agrees Joe Pavelski had an absolutely miserable regular season. Right, right, right. And, and now he's back being Joel Pavelski. Now it's crazy. Yeah. So. And like Justin Williams do that a couple times. Like Justin Williams just have terrible regular seasons. Yeah, Williams has done that a few and, times. And to a lesser extent, even though, you know, maybe the expectations weren't there, Corey Perry has been a pain in the ass and a difference maker. Yeah, yeah. You know, as Putting Corey Perry on a third line – you know, to stir, to stir it up. I mean, he yeah. can still do that, but, but the whole point here is, and, and we'll see this, we've talked about this the last few days, Russ, is that there are three days in between that game and game four. Mm-hmm. Is that enough days for Ben Bishop to be ready to play? Because I don't think so. I'm telling you after being on that call and after Rick Bonus finally saying that he was skating 
He wanted to get away from Ben Bishop conversation as quick as any coach I've ever seen trying to get away from a conversation where your potential number one goalie could be coming back. So I don't think he's the number one goalie anymore. That's just my feeling. Kevin, have you you ever seen in any sport that you've covered a self-inflicted wound as bad as Alan Walsh posting that photo? Yeah. Well, I, you know, that's not the first time he's done that, not to that extent. But I remember specifically talking to one of his clients after he said something. And I remember it was a similar reaction to what Fleury had. Well, that's just Alan. And, uh, you know, those guys all really like Alan a lot, those guys that he represents, because he always does have his back. But, I mean, that was – we've never seen anything like that. Uh, you know, that was, yeah, no, you that was so – over the top and you can imagine what the conversation was in the dressing room nor the uncomfortable conversation that flurry had to have um, with the coaching staff and and so that just had to be ridiculous but you know that situation really is um difficult like imagine being war and the most popular player athlete in vegas is mark andre flurry yeah then you get robin leonard who played better than Fleury did this season. Um, and now he's nine and two, he, you know, he sure he gave up four goals, uh, last game and he gave up, uh, two on his first four shots or whatever it was. Um, but you know, I thought it wasn't his fault that they lost, no. but Fleury, is he still your number one goalie? Like, like, <laughs> and, and he's going to be around Leonard, maybe an inter, you know, and yeah, Leonard will be gone. So I, I, I think, I think it's messy. So uh, I, I think it's gutsy by DeBoer, but I, I, I've been on the record saying that I think that they need to go back to Flurry at some point here. Yeah, Just, no, I, I said that too. I, I see. I think you could do that and still go back to Leonard. Like this, yeah, yeah, exactly. century. you know, I keep hearing people say, "Well, oh, well, then you can't go back to Leonard." Well, you know, maybe if it was the 1950s, um, but you know, it, you know, we're we're in the 21st century here. You know, athletes yeah. they know the story, they know the how it all works. You can go back to Leonard. If it yeah, but there are not many situations that are like this where you have two all-star goaltenders. I mean, you said the 1950s. The Red Wings had Terry Sawchuk, and his understudy was this guy named Hall. Oh, Glenn yeah, Hall. Right. Right. Yeah. Gee. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, yeah. I mean, you can you, you can go back and forth with these guys. I mean, you know, we've seen it happen in the NHL a lot recently. I mean, in the in the playoffs too. It's not like an, it's not completely uncommon. I mean, you know, remember Gerber and uh, you know and Cam Ward. Cam Ward for the Carolina Hurricanes. They went back and forth quite a bit. Um, the Flyers played like three goalies back and forth when they went to the Stanley Cup Finals in 2010, just all over the place, you know, like Boucher and 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 Letton and, and all, all kinds of Michael Leighton and all kinds of stuff, you know. So yeah, it, it's possible. Yeah, but listen to the names you're mentioning, and then now let's talk about um, you know Vegas, right. where we're going to talk. We're talking about a future Hall of Famer and a guy who will be the, one of the hottest. Free agents on the right. Market. No, you're absolutely right. It's a crazy. It's a crazy. It's a crazy it's a situation. situation. Yeah. Um. And you know now I don't know how it, it changes things. You know, with back to back. I think back to back games they're going to go with one. I mean, DeBoer's been saying flat out he's going to use both goalies. He's just to keep saying I'm going to use both goalies, and he did use did use Flurry in the last round, and Flurry had a really good game. Right. So yeah. who knows? You know. Um. Yeah. People are saying you know yeah um, Grant Fuhrer and Andy Moog and Edmonton they went back and forth quite a bit too. Yeah. Um, well, that's good. That's a good example. Yeah, yeah. I, we just don't see it. I there's no reason why it couldn't be done. Just they don't do it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you have to have a good relationship. You want to have a good relationship between the goalies to do it. That helps a lot. And I think well, that I think that I think that you know 
Mark Andre Fleury has been great with Robin Leonard from everything I've heard. He's been perfectly sure about the whole thing. But the, I mean, the last instance that if you can remember, what we remember is Corey is Corey Schneider and Luongo in with Vancouver. I mean, when they went with Schneider in the, uh, I think it was in the Western conference final and Luongo wasn't playing badly, but they, they, yeah. you know, Elaine Vigno went with, uh, went with Schneider and, it had a little. It had a little disturbing effect. I mean, that's the one thing you just want sort of a you know calm situation, no controversy, and that's where I that's where I have a problem with what Walsh did. Even if Flurry had a problem with not being the starter, you don't go out during a playoff after I think it was after game one and 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 rock the boat, and that's what he did. So yeah. well, that's what Walsh does, though. I mean, Walsh. Oh, and, and, Players who like him, I mean, who, and and I've talked to Alan Walsh. I talked to him a lot at one point. I was actually considering himself like a considered myself, a, you know, him a friend for a while, not anymore, but for a while. And the reason why I consider him a friend is when you talk to him, he's got like incredible passion about this thing. Like he is, it does yeah. He's got the same thing that Rich Winter has, you know, which is like when you talk to them, they've got passionate ideas about, and they want to grow the sport. They have all kinds of concepts, and they have all kinds of things that are out there, and they're really interesting people. Which in this sport. Not a lot of people have opinions, you know, and it's nice to talk to somebody with opinions, you know, and Walsh has opinions and Rich Winter has opinions, and that's the players who work with these kind of agents. They get that. The problem is, you know, obviously they're going to, you know, they represent them. So in this day and age of social media, we're still learning, you know, that world. Yeah. And, and you know, we can't, if someone's representing you on social media, I mean, it's one thing for him to call up the GM and say, in, back in the old days and say, hey, you know, why is my guy not playing, which, which happens all the friggin' time. Um, but it, when you put it on social media, it's like, <laughs> you know, it's another, it's just, it's, well, he's a, he's a crusader. Um, he's a crusader. Exactly. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I really admire his, um, uh, positions on concussion. He hasn't been afraid yeah. to, um, and it's not just his clients. He's trying to protect everybody out there and, yeah. uh, he works real hard at it. He's a former prosecutor and that comes out in the way yeah. he, um, you know, goes about his, uh, his uh, his his work and uh, I, I the passion is the right word for it. I I have always enjoyed you know talking to him because he does yeah. have that unwavering passion for yeah he loves the sport and yes, and, and somebody in the chat just said Mob Talk Radio just said in the chat that you can't hold Mark Andre Fleury accountable for his agent's actions. You can if he asked his agent or if he said something to his agent about the situation. That's that's where the destabilizing thing happens. If Flurry asked that asked Walsh to address this situation, then it's on Flurry because he has to realize Walsh is in a way a loose cannon or somebody who's not shy about it, and he'll bring it up uh, in the media. So the problem is you never know exactly, right? You'll never know exactly what. Was you know because that because his job is to represent Mark Andre Fleury. His job is to go out there, and so he could say he could say to Fleury, "Listen, I'm going to post something bad social media. Just blame me for it. It's, you know, it's not on you. It's all me. But it'll get the point across." And I don't well, think Fleury would believe Fleury when he said that he really yeah. didn't know anything. About well, I don't think he knew it either. But I'm saying that's the kind of thing that people wonder, you know, in the background all the time. People are going to wonder that, like, is this kind of thing that's going on like that, you know? Kevin, um, I know that you wrote uh, something regarding the Washington. Uh, head coaching job and the name that's been mentioned among many. I mean, Laviolette's been mentioned, Gallant's been mentioned, even Bruce Boudreau going back to Washington for another swing. But another name that's been mentioned is Mike Babcock. Um, what What do you – I mean – Well, I, I, I think they're going to talk to him, but I can't imagine they're going to take him. Just a dollar amount alone would be 
you know, it's not he's not going to play for less or no. coach for less. So I don't know. think I don't think the Leafs would give them permission to talk to him unless they agreed to. That's what yeah. I. You know, he's made he he's making five point eight million dollars for the next two or three years. So why would why would the Leafs agree to pay like supplement his income and let him go coach for three million dollars with the Capitals? They're yeah. not. No, that's well, unless they wanted to. Yeah. You know, get rid of three million dollars that they have to pay. Yeah. Um, but but anyway, I I just don't know that they'll go in that direction. And plus, he you know he'd have to explain the whole Marner uh, situation. Um, I'm I don't know if there's been enough time, um, right. or or whether he could explain that. And Laviolette seems more like a more logical choice, just because he has a lot of experience and within that division, and he knows the teams, he knows the styles. Um, you know, he certainly knows a lot about Barry Trotz. Uh, yeah. So, uh, and, uh, you know, his style, I think, uh, um, Ovechkin would love. I mean, he's an attacking style. He likes offense. We There aren't many coaches left in the game where you can say, well, he's an offensive guy. Right. Um, and I feel Laviolette is an offensive guy. You know, he, he you know he's an attacking style designed to create turnovers, to design to create scoring chances. So, yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't think, I don't think Gallant's a fit, and it's sort of been there, done that with Boudreaux. I know Boudreaux has a good relationship with Ovechkin, but I don't, don't think they want to go down the road of Boudreaux again, especially with his record in the playoffs. And you know, they obviously want to win another Stanley Cup uh, in the next year or two with Ovechkin. Ovechkin's only got a year left on his contract, so you know, you're probably going to hire somebody who he likes. Uh, the best coach for that team would be Barry Trotz. Oh wait a minute! Yeah, that's right. So. <laughs> okay, um, I had to drop off, and everybody else had something else to do. So we're the, we're, the, we're the last two here. So last, we'll last man standing. There so. you go. We'll end the show here. Uh, have everybody enjoy your hockey weekend. The games will be back on Saturday and Sunday. Uh, for the departed Jan Levine, for Russ Cohen, for Eklund, and for Kevin Allen, I'm Michael Agello. Thank you for watching, and remember, without. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.